Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Travis Moore, Dr. Travis Moore, and Travis is the administrator at Carbon County School District 1. I'm looking forward to chatting with Travis. I know we have a lot of educational leaders listening, but also for other leaders, I I believe we can all learn something from leaders in other industries too. Uh, Travis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jono. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our chat. First of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do? Oh, you bet. I'm 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 part of an administrative team here in my school district. Uh, my assignment is to be the lead administrator at an alternative high school. And in my free time, I'm also a county commissioner here in my county where I live. Wow. And for those outside of, uh, you know, the U.S. in particular, what, what, is, what does it look like? Uh, what's involved in being a county commissioner? Well, county commissioners uh, in Wyoming are kind of the in-between um, governmental entities for the state legislature and, and that level of decision-making. And, and then the counties uh, are an extension of that uh, state arm for tax collection and, and things of that kind. And then you, you have municipal governments, you know, that run the cities and such. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for unpacking that. Uh, so let's hear a bit of your story. As you look back, even as far back as childhood, what are some of those moments, particularly, uh, I guess, as we start in your early years that you remember that really shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today? One, one of the earliest things I can remember uh, watching, watching sports here um, I always wanted to be a team captain of some kind. I was always interested in student council as I came through school, uh, not really understanding the whole of what leadership meant at the time, but I enjoyed uh, meeting with other people from around the state with the various summer camps and activities that they had for young leaders. But I would guess the, the first time that it really dawned on me that I, I could be a leader and, and have some kind of impact in the world was when I was employed uh, with the federal government here as a wildland firefighter um, while I was going to college. And, you know, in that, in that type of stressful environment and that kind of thing, leadership really took a, a physical form of what that needed to be, how to take care of people, how to watch out for their safety, following plans, understanding where you fit in a, in a larger system um, to really fulfill your part of things. Um, but that's where it really dawned on me what it was. The, before that, you know, I was kind of, I was lucky enough to follow the track through student, student government and things of that kind to see from the outside what it meant. And I knew different people that held different positions in my town and in the state. Uh, but I didn't really understand what it means until I started working for the federal government. And then, then I understood yeah, you know, where one person could really make a difference in, in a position like that. 
And as you learned that, that's a, I, I love that lesson, you know, the, the significance and the difference that one person can make. Are there any, are there any stories that come to mind where you, where you felt like you saw that impact yourself or you saw other leaders individually make a difference that, that caught your attention? Oh, you bet. Uh, you know, early on, I, I had some, had some hard, hard lessons to learn, uh, you know, wanting to be, wanting to be fair and firm and, and those types of things. So I, I was kind of hard and rough around the edges, you know, kind of a brusque young leader, you know, earning my chops. But the, the biggest lesson on that part is that if, if you're doing it that way, you might be uh, leading just yourself because people don't want to put up with that nonsense. Uh, I learned, I learned then um, through, through some hard lessons that taking care of the people is more important than being cool as the leader. You know, so in that environment, you know, making sure I, I we, we took care of all the first aid injuries, as you would imagine, there's quite a few in wildland firefighting, um, but making sure that yeah. people knew yeah. that I cared that, hey, do you have blisters on your feet? Do you have enough water? Do you have snacks in your pack? You know, and making sure people had the creature comforts on that part, mm. you know, made the job so much easier uh, for them and for me, you know, when I, when I kind of figured out, hey, that that's my job is to make sure that these people are taken care of so that they can do the job that we're assigned to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how you've uh, made a point about caring for people and how that's more important than the, uh, you know, than the personal sort of, uh, as you said, I, I know that that rings true for me when I was younger, you know, not, not worrying about how much I'm liked or how, how cool I am as a leader, but actually learning that it's about caring for my people. That's, that's a, that's a great lesson that um, that any leader could could uh, I guess take away. You bet. Uh, as they they would say in, in classical literature, you know, everybody wants to wear the crown until they feel how heavy it is. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh, so, in more recent years, do you have any favorite stories of mentors that you've watched, or uh, your own stories where you've seen uh, you know great breakthroughs? Oh, you bet, Jono. The early in my early in my graduate uh, studies, yeah, I remember having a, a lesson on Glasser in undergraduate, and I did a, I did a report on it with a team of people, you know, to move into the educational field. And it's come full circle because we're chasing that same kind of philosophy of building relationships and helping people meet their wants and needs um, in the in the school setting, you know. So that that big circle, I didn't have any idea what all, what all it included at the time as an undergraduate, but now to see some of the fruits of what that is, building those relationships and, and tying into a positive culture, you know, meeting people where they are uh, and helping them figure out what they need and how to get what they need um, has been really big. And I, I'm a collector of stories uh, in that way. Um, but it's, it's just the same for a teacher, you know, it doesn't matter how much I care about the content and that kind of stuff, unless the people know that I care about them first, you know, and building that relationship and seeing yeah. successes through what they do and valuing, you know, the experiences and the stories that they bring into it, you know, because God knows there's a great deal of learning that happens outside of school, which is equally important that should be tied into the lessons in the classroom. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely, Travis. I, I agree. As 
on your journey, are there any mentors or any leaders that you've particularly enjoyed or they've just had a, a really big um, influence on you because you've watched how they've led? Well, I'm a big fan of the classics, so I could list a bunch of different leaders in that way. But as a collector, uh, one of my mentor teachers when I first started teaching um, was part of the job interview and was a little brusque with me about getting into education, thinking of me leading a classroom, um, you know, much less leading a school at that point in time. And it really had me thinking about my priorities and doing the things. And it was a very valuable mentorship piece because it wasn't done for me to reconsider the profession or to be hard on me as a new person, yeah. but to really think about what my role is and the gravity of what, what that role could be. You know, not a lot of people think about how much power and influence a teacher could have um, doing, doing what they do day in and day out. Um, but it comes down, it, it, it flavors the pitch of everything that you're teaching, you know, and putting it into places where you're meeting the folks where they are, you know, being the smartest person in the room is not, not the thing that you want, <laughs> if, you, if that's what you're out to establish. Um, so I learned very early that I had just as much to learn about my students as they did for, for the content for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we can all learn from the people that we're that we're leading. Um, and any any favorite stories from you as a teacher and as as a leader in terms of why you do what you do? You know, what really gets you out of bed in the morning? Any stories about students and the community and that 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 really for some reason have stuck out to you? Oh, you bet. Uh, I'll give you a question. Uh, just one example of not even knowing that you have the impact that you have. Uh, you know, there's a lot of those kind of stories, but one lesson that I learned uh, very early on, um, you know, being an academic type of person myself, is is figuring out what really fits, you know, to, to do things and, and getting information from a young person to say, well, Dr. Moore, I'm really interested in automobiles. Is there anything that I can work on in science class uh, that has to do with automobiles? Well, of course there are. And we're on that learning journey together. I had this discussion years ago and I had it again yesterday with a young person to tie in the content so they could see the importance of what they were learning um, and, and really made a difference in their studies and that kind of stuff. Because at that point, that young person thought and believed that education was something they had to put up with and was being done to them as opposed to an opportunity uh, to enhance their life and to move into bigger and better things themselves. You know, they saw That's, it as a rite yeah. of passage and not, you know, the, the curve of learning that would hopefully last their life. Yes. Yeah. I like that. That's really interesting. And I, I definitely have, have learned that and, and I've learned to value education. I, I used to see it as a, as a rite of passage, like you've explained, but now I've learned it's just the significance and, and you know what, for leadership, even, even for leadership, uh, one thing that's in common with great leaders uh, that, that I've experienced is that they are lifelong learners, truly curious, open-minded, searching for new information, breaking down echo chambers. It's, it's something that is definitely apparent in great leaders. Well, I, I completely agree. I that that's that's the ticket and the best way for me to do that is to listen more than anything to understand you know who it is i get to appreciate the company of 
at any given time. Yeah, that's that's so good, Travis, and wonderful to hear a bit of your story. I think uh, we're going to have some really interesting answers to our Leadership Express questions as well. So I want to spend a bit of time in here. Are you ready? You bet. Okay, the first thing is, what's a book that you've gifted to other people? Awareness by Anthony DeMello. Oh, I haven't had that recommendation. What, what's, uh, I mean, obviously it's about awareness, but <laughs> can you give a quick overview? Because that sounds like a really interesting one. Thank you. It's an interesting, interesting text, but it, it gets into some of the, the clarity of life, the synchronicity of things when, when, when you're working at a high level, you know, but it attacks uh, seemingly sacred things um, in theology and some of that stuff, you know, written by a, a Catholic priest who, who, whose life was spent training other priests, but he, he took, took it upon himself to, to couple together a lot of wisdom from all over the world to say, hey, you know, we're really looking at the same thing, just different ways, which was fantastic for me to read. And I share that with lots of people that I come in contact with that, that it, that's the spiritual piece is really important to him. Um, but that, that's one that I do give away quite a bit. And I, I like his wit. Because he's, he's really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's a great recommendation. Thank you. Uh, what about right now? Are there any books you're reading, any podcasts that you're enjoying listening to, uh, any blogs that you're reading or, or journals? Like, what are you really enjoying reading or watching or listening to at the moment? Well, I try to keep up on the Marginalian. And uh, the book that I'm reading professionally right now is I Cannot Get Enough of William Glasser you know, as an educational environment and the formatting for relationships and things of that kind. Uh, we yeah. were really excited about that. Um, so we've been digging into that wholeheartedly, taking some training, reading several texts of his, but it's just no nonsense things. And, and just why I haven't been doing things this way for so long is, is beyond me. But again, <laughs> you know, some of those valuable texts and lessons kind of happen where you are when you're ready. Yeah, that's right. It's so true. Uh, so what was his name again? William Glasser. William Glasser. Thank you. Yeah, that's. I, I know there are so many educational leaders, so that's going to be fantastic. There's going to be a lot of people scribbling a note, uh, Googling, uh, Googling his name. So thank you for that. Uh, here's another one. When you are sitting in a one-on-one -on -one with one of your people that you're leading or you're leading a, a meeting with your team, are there, or, or even when you're sitting with a parent, are there any questions that are, Travis's sort of go-to questions that you find you find yourself asking a lot in different settings as, as great questions to unearth something. Well, I, no, no matter what happens, I, I always have to know what, what the people are after in their lives, you know, and where our mutual, where our paths cross, what they want out of that experience. You know, because then we can we can examine systems, we can put together planning and metrics and things, you know, for people to really get to that place at a high level uh, in the time frame that they want to accomplish those types of things. You know, but it all comes down to, you know, what, what do they value in life? You know, how does how does that person operate? What's important to them? You know, what do they want out of different situations? Yeah, I, I like that. That's a good thought. What about uh, what's a commonly held belief that uh, in education that you passionately disagree with? Well, that 
public education as it is, um, that the structure works for everyone. That, hey, you just, you go to school K-12, you get your high school diploma, you're ready for college, and that's the answer to all the world's problems where, you know, in the United States and in the state of Wyoming, you know, I think we undervalued vocational training for a good long time. Yeah. I think we have undervalued social and emotional learning for a good long time. And I think we're seeing the impacts of that undervaluing in our economy and in our, in our behavior and in our communities. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, I tend to agree. What, what do you think, what are you seeing as some of the answers to that? Like, what, what are you seeing that's been a big breakthrough in how to make education work for everyone, not just for those who are wired to really thrive in a traditional environment you just mentioned and, and process? Yeah, I've said many times uh, in, in front of the school board and, and other <laughs> educational professionals and leaders that my students are more than test scores. And the, the big piece for me is that education and learning per se is a very personal thing. You know, and every individual should have kind of a personalized track through this stuff to hit those basic skills, but to build on things that they're already interested in. And the way we have the system set up doesn't allow that. So it's contrary to what we know about the brain. It's contrary to what we know about psychology. And we just keep using the same system to try to do those things. And it just isn't, it isn't that. I, I'm a big fan of personalized education. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, and, and it's interesting for me because elements of education really suited me and I watched, but I definitely had some friends where I felt like the way our educational system here in Australia, which is very similar, you know, to, to the U S and, you know, in that more traditional um, sort of way that we we've done it previously. But I just saw one friend comes to mind in particular who just absolutely struggled, never fit in the box at school. And as a result, like someone like, like me, you would have looked on to at them and thought, Oh, well, they're, they mustn't be very smart. Like that might've been your assumption, and then this happens again and again and again, right? And then out of out of school, really found a love for um, for a, a trade and for and was then starting to study in that area. Fast forward a decade, and is an incredible leader in uh, in construction. But one of the things that and I, I I never thought they they weren't smart, but I'm saying you could have looked at that and assumed that. But it has, I'm just amazed at how wise and brilliant, truly brilliant they are in the construction space because they've found and, and they sort of found the, their sort of uh, groove that, but they could never find it in the education system. And that always, that always stuck with me. I, I just watched them and thought, what is it about our education system for someone so brilliant, such a wonderful person that just didn't fit them? That's just one example. But, um, yeah, that's, that's always been a personal story where I've watched on and, and thought there must be something else because that person is wonderful and brilliant and fantastic. And they were a great example of how they just completely did not fit with the, with the sort of um, cookie cutter uh, education approach. Exactly, exactly. So here's another question for you, Travis. What's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Well, that's a good one. Um, 
one one of the big pieces that I see in, in some of the social and, and other reforms that, you know, in, in my role as a county commissioner um, that has come back and paid dividends over and over is, you know, and, and I'm hoping I'm getting better at it, but, you know, listening to folks to see what they really want and then giving them the option to say, well, if, if you created the system, you know, to honor your profession or your trade or however, whichever piece of the government they fit into, you know, what would that look like, you know, to make things more efficient, to make things better for the public, you know, because that's what we're there for is to serve the public. And, and the responses I get are fascinating. Fascinating. What, any, any responses in particular that come to mind that you've heard and thought, oh, that is a brilliant idea, even if there's no way yet. To how we'd implement it, but anything that you've particularly loved hearing that that uh, that you just thought was a brilliant concept? Well, it, it wasn't necessarily for me uh, discovering the brilliance, but helping others through discussion to see the brilliance of themselves and their ideas as professionals in the field. Because I'm not I'm not a professional in that field. You know, I'm I'm the government guy that came to help and, and to try to solve a problem. One one example comes to mind. Uh, we've been talking about uh, consolidating emergency communications in our county. And I asked the, the professionals in that field, I said, well, what would happen if you guys designed your own center and you guys were in charge of it? You would make all the rules and all the things. And they looked at me like I had two heads because, you know, they, they always work with specific departments, whether that's law enforcement or fire <laughs> or emergency response. They never really saw themselves in the role as a communicating center or as an as a, as a equal seat at the table with all the chiefs of police and sheriffs and doctors and so on. And, and they should be, you know, so watching them discover that idea, you know, was, was wonderful. Yeah, that is, uh, that's a wonderful story. <laughs> and it's, uh, it is one of my favorite things in really all the work that I do is, watching someone have an aha moment you know their own aha moment actually the coaching framework that i use um in the clarity sessions that i do with leaders i uh, the the original sort of training around around coach and i don't have his name handy but his framework is called the coach framework c-o-a-c-h it <laughs> makes a lot of sense but um when i've had when i went to a training and someone explained it the, the analogy and i've never found a better analogy but it's it's why i love coaching so much and why i think everyone should be you know everyone needs a coach and every leader should be coaching their people and i love helping um even like schools create a coaching culture amongst their teachers and non-teaching staff but the analogy is that, you know, when we are the coach in a situation, or this is what I hear you describing in this situation you just said there, we need to be like the midwife when it comes to a revelation. Too often as um, coaches, as leaders, as facilitators, we're the ones having the revelation. <laughs> and yes. we want to tell everyone else how amazing the revelation is. But what I love about what you just said is that the, the, the best experiences for all of us happen when we're the one sitting across from a coach or across from a leader and we have the revelation uh, you know, it's, it's got, so as a coach, it's about facilitating and helping the other person, you know, have the baby. They need to be the one that has the revelation and I right. need to be the one who's there to help like a midwife. And I've never found a better analogy uh, because it is funny can comparing myself to a midwife, but it's so true because if, you know, if you can help that other person have that aha moment and particularly about themselves, 
that's so memorable. Right. And I, I equate that to teaching in the classroom, working with my staff, looking for new staff. You know, I need to find the midwives of the world that take great pleasure in other people doing that work. You know, having that experience to say, well, it doesn't matter what I know. It matters what the students learn. <laughs> yes. You know, you know I'm, I'm glad you're a content expert, but you need to be an expert in how to get the people to learn <laughs> on their own, not just with us. Yeah, that's so good. And that's, that's the number one complaint I hear from leaders about, I think about consultants and coaches. And I've experienced it myself, even in say therapy, when you're with a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, it's when someone is more concerned with telling you the content than they are with helping you have the revelation and helping you, right. you walk away with something. And, um, and I, th I love that you've made that parallel to the, to the classroom because yeah, you're right. It's hundred percent the same, isn't it? It's like, no matter how great you are at that content, no matter how much of an expert you are, the rubber hits the road when the people in your class go, ah, oh, and they have their, the penny drops for them. That's great education. Yes. And that, that notion by itself completely changed my hiring practices in terms of recruiting and interviewing and that kind of thing. I, you know, if I can find someone that's a midwife that comes in, you know, to use your analogy, that, yeah. loves, that loves kids and loves teaching, if I can find the midwife coming in, they can learn the content over time. You know, I, I used to chase grade point averages and levels of expertise and content and say, well, we got the best and brightest people, you know, coming in to teach these things, but they might not have had the social and emotional skill, skill bank to pull from to relate their things so that they're the midwife helping the students to learn, you know? So I used to look for experts and now I look for midwives. <laughs> oh, that's a good Travis. I've never thought about it that way. I used to look for experts and now I look for midwives. That's such you know, a good, I, I might need to do a blog, uh, a blog post about that or, or a, um, a, a podcast on my other podcast about that, because I love that idea. That is, I've never thought about it like that, but you're so right. That's, that is, that's brilliant when it comes to hiring. I, I completely agree. And I was inspired with the analogy that you gave me. I, it's, it's something that I learned um, from my most current uh, superintendent, the supervisor of our district. You know, he did much the same thing over his career and advised, you know, many of the administrative staff going into hiring season that, hey, you, you're better off hiring people that care and then you are hiring experts and by God, that's, that's couldn't be more true. Absolutely. I love that idea. Uh, another question for you, any movies or TV shows that really impacted you? Oh my God. The, <clears throat> I, I love, I love uh, learning about the past. So docudramas and, and, and movies about, history I love just to see how other leaders worked on things and figuring out how small the world is. The, the little town where I live is called Rollins. And it, it was founded by, at the time, General Rollins um, on his way through establishing many military forts, post-Civil War, that kind of stuff. But I did not realize, you know, and it was through a, a documentary on President Grant um, of the United States, that that person that my town's named after 
is one of the reasons Grant rejoined the army and became who he became. And, and that wow. just blew, it blew my mind. So I, I can't <laughs> get enough reading about leaders from all over the world, you know, experiences that they've had and figuring out, you know, hey, we're, we're still having the same struggles, the same things. And it, it's fascinating to me how all these things are connected, that wisdom isn't just <laughs> in one little place. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great story. And it's uh, yeah, I, I love that legacy is, is never as black and white as, as we make it, you know, there's always that when you, when you dig deeper uh, I think some of the best and the greatest legacies are those people. Actually, one of my, one of my favorite stories recently from another podcast guest was they talked about how there was a leader who, who's now passed away. Um, I think it's a book called the trillion uh, the trillion dollar coach or it's something like that, but it was this book it has been written. I think the leader they're talking about has passed away. If they haven't, then I apologize. I'm just remembering this story off the top of my head, but they said that, that this book was written by all of the people that this coach coached who went on to, to have and lead some of these, some of the world's trillion dollar companies. And you may never know, you wouldn't have known this coach's name, um, and yet some of the most well-known people in the world all have written this book uh, with stories about the wisdom that they got from this coach. Um, and I just loved that story because I was like, wow, how amazing is that? That's, that's true leadership to actually have an impact on that many people's lives under the radar. And, and yet when you dig a little bit deeper, you see that really their legacy is, well, that's why the name of the book is, is in trillions of dollars of um, right. organizational greatness and uh, and people around the world in jobs and yeah just just an incredible legacy. That's fantastic. You, you know, for the entertainment part of it though, you know, I, I'm waiting. You know, very eagerly for the new release of of the Lord of the Rings series that's coming out. I'm a big fan of fantasy and, and sci yes. science fiction. You know, there's so many wonderful stories coming out now. I can't keep up. I, I just can't, but you know, there's so many wonderful writers right now. I'm a sucker for really good writing for dialogue for all those pieces. And that's how those, that's how they get me. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fantasy sci-fi, have you read any of Brandon Sanderson's work? Now, which series did he put out? Uh, he's, he finished the wheel of time by Robert yes. Jordan. Yes. yes so he, I, he I finished just, that. Uh, a colleague of mine recommended that and I binge watched the entire series. Uh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't, he didn't start the series. It was started by Robert Jordan. It's actually fascinating. If you, if you read the books, um, this has been my hobby the past couple of years as I read long series of, uh, of fantasy sci-fi, because I just really enjoy the fact that you go book to book to book and it's the same characters, the same storylines. You don't have to have that sort of grief when you put the characters away, you know, if you, and I, and it's just such a great way to switch off, but it's an amazing story. I think, I believe it. Yeah. It's the wheel of time. So it is the one that's on prime. So Robert Jordan wrote the series. Um, and, and yet he unfortunately, uh, was I think it was he was diagnosed with cancer and knew that he was going to pass away before he could finish it and so he tasked uh, his wife he said I want you to find an amazing writer to who can really complete this series and because um, there were so many people who loved his writing you know there were a lot of authors that they could have chosen so his, his wife after he after Robert Jordan had passed away 
um, started actually looking around at who could be a great, um, who would be a great person to really finish off the legacy and finish this series well. And they decided on Brandon Sanderson and, uh, yeah, so he actually, and, and he had read these books, you know, it was like Robert Jordan was his hero. And so he then finished the series and actually wrote the final books and they're fantastic. Um, and just a, a fascinating story of, of legacy. But yeah, he's also written, I, I'm reading a series that he's written the whole thing called Mistborn right now. Um, but for me, you know, there's, I love nonfiction. I love in-depth leadership books but also i think you we all need those outlets where you can just switch off and just there's nothing like a great storyline and great characters right my my colleague and i were talking about that briefly today um comparing the wheel of time and the new the jrr tolkien um extensions that are that's coming out we tied in uh, jk rowling stuff yeah, you know, it's amazing. But both of us are big fans and, and follow those things and talk about different things from the books to the, the series, the movies, the television. It's it's amazing. It really well, is. Have you have you ever been to New Zealand where they filmed no, a lot but, of Lord of the Rings? Right. It's it's on my list. My father is gone and I would love to go. OK, so when you go, my uh, my wife Liz and I went just before the pandemic and because uh, it's very close to us from where I am in Brisbane in Australia. It's, it's a three hours away, New Zealand. So it's really close to our neighbor. Uh, the amazing, one of the amazing things you can do that we did, and it was just so much fun is you can actually go and do a tour um, of the, of Hobbiton, you know, the village uh, that, that they even built in the Hobbit, you know, they even built that um, the, what is it like sort of the pub that all the, that all the dwarves were, you know, were eating and drinking yeah. in, in the Hobbit. And if you love Lord of the Rings, highly recommend um, going. And it's a bit of a drive out of uh, out of town, but walking around there is surreal. If you love Lord of the Rings, it's just mind blowing. You're walking around all of these, seeing all the little, um, you know, the, the way they built it and they show you that, you know, the tree and, and there's a great story behind the tree that if you see, if you watch it again, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, um, there's an, this amazing story about this massive tree that that's in hobbiton and um what they had to do is in obviously in the hobbit it was meant to be before uh lord of the rings so they actually had to find a way to to build i think they built their own smaller version of the tree which you can see and it's it's crazy that it's man-made because they needed to make it look like it was it it was an earlier version. So they actually had to build the second sort of tree. <laughs> um, wow. And you, yeah. So the stories like that, that you get on the tour for any Lord of the Rings fanatics, it's um, it's, it's just incredible. And New Zealand, uh, I always joke about getting a sponsorship from tourism Australia because I'm always raving about Australia, but New Zealand is just, you know, it, you can see if you watch Lord of the Rings and look at the landscape, actually I've found if you're looking at a beautiful landscape in a movie there was one we watched the other day i can't remember what it was if it's in a beautiful stunning landscape then so often if you check where it was filmed it was new zealand it's like whenever people need this breathtaking um landscape it's often it's often filmed in new zealand wonderful tourism new zealand i'm still uh, waiting for my uh waiting for my invitation for you to come on as a sponsor i think i'd be a great uh a great advocate for tourism New Zealand, but regardless, I'll keep, I'll keep giving them shout outs. Beautiful place. Well, uh, Travis, great to have a, a good long chat about Lord of the Rings and New Zealand. And, um, but more importantly, 
it's been great to chat with you about leadership. Is there, for those who want to find out a bit more about, um, you know, the, the school district and the school you lead and, and connect with you on say LinkedIn, what's the best way for people to find you online? Well, online, um, LinkedIn, just the name Travis Moore is on there. Um, I have that account. I, I do share quite a bit of leadership things in and outside of education. Um, if you ever wanted to know more about the journey as our school, because our school is not a typical traditional high school. It's, it's an alternative thing uh, for students that, that don't really match that cookie cutter thing like you talked about. And we spent the last couple of years um, redesigning, redoing the things, and we're actually going through rebranding. So if anybody wanted to talk about any of those things, I'm available. Uh, my email addresses are attached to those uh, accounts. And I love talking about education and leadership in general and Lord of the Rings and would love to learn more about New Zealand. Yeah. So any and, yeah. any and all. That's right. You have to go. It's so beautiful, particularly to see Hobbiton. Uh, well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, another great conversation. It's been so much fun today. Uh, don't forget, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast, where I give you tips on how to build a high performance team and how to build a healthy workplace culture and things like that. And leadership question of the day podcast where I ask you a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe and really challenge you to grow as a leader. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Travis uh, for being so generous with your time for, uh, for just having such a great chat and, and, and filling us in a bit on your story and, and also some really rich conversation about education that, um, that I think every leader, regardless of whether they're in uh, the educational industry, education industry, um, people need to be thinking about because it's so, so important. So uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Jono. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content 
and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.